Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, October 14th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Microsoft is shutting down LinkedIn in China. The first major tech regulation bill of this wave is set to debut in the Senate today. TCL's cheap smartphones sound pretty good, actually. The gaming industry is serious about combating cheating. Instacart might be on strike this weekend. And GitLab celebrates its IPO. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Microsoft said this morning that it is shutting down its Chinese version of LinkedIn and replacing it with a just run-of-the-mill job board. Sources told the Wall Street Journal that back in March, the Chinese government told LinkedIn to regulate better the content on its sort of newsfeed product, quoting the journal. This marks the end of the last major American social media network operating openly in China. LinkedIn, in a statement Thursday, said that it made the decision after, quote, facing a significantly more challenging operating environment and greater compliance requirements in China, end quote. In March, China's internet regulator told LinkedIn officials to better regulate its content and gave them 30 days to do so, according to people familiar with the matter. In recent months, LinkedIn notified several China-focused human rights activists, academics, and journalists that their profiles were being blocked in China saying they contained prohibited content. LinkedIn said it would replace its Chinese service, which restricts some content to comply with local government demands already, with a job board service lacking social media features, such as the ability to share opinions and news stories, end quote. There is a bipartisan Senate bill set to be unveiled today at some point, that would ban internet platforms from favoring their own products or services, a practice known as self-preferencing, quoting the journal. In particular, the bill would prohibit a range of practices that are harmful to businesses and consumers, such as requiring a business to buy a dominant platform's goods or services in exchange for preferred placement, misusing a business's data in order to compete against it, biasing search results in favor of the dominant firm, and unfairly preventing other business products from interoperating with the dominant platform. The House Judiciary Committee passed a similar bill earlier this year, although in some respects the Senate bill would be somewhat tougher. The bill could affect many of the major tech firms, including searches provided to users by Amazon and Alphabet's Google, both of which provide numerous products and services that compete with other businesses. The companies and their supporters generally contend that they operate in highly competitive and dynamic markets and don't use their market power unfairly to block competition. They have also argued against far-reaching antitrust bills in the House by contending that they could upend their businesses in ways that consumers wouldn't like. Broad changes could also undermine the U.S.'s tech leadership in the world, they contend, end quote. In the Twitter space we did last night, Chris and I ended up talking a lot about Facebook, not the recent scandals per se, but where Facebook as a business can go now. Zuck, as we've said, and you might notice, is talking all about the metaverse these days, but also remember their crypto project and also those AR glasses. Well, more details on what Facebook might be thinking about strategically. Facebook has detailed what they call Ego4D, an AI research project done in partnership with 13 universities to improve egocentric perception with potential to improve AI assistance, quoting The Verge. 
A new research project led by Facebook's AI team suggests the scope of the company's ambitions. It imagines AI systems that are constantly analyzing people's lives using first-person video, recording what they see, do, and hear in order to help them with everyday tasks. Facebook's researchers have outlined a series of skills it wants these systems to develop, including episodic memory, i.e. answering questions like, where did I leave my keys, and audiovisual diarization, remembering who said what when. Right now, the tasks outlined cannot be achieved reliably by any AI system, and Facebook stresses that this is a research project rather than a commercial development. However, it's clear that the company sees functionality like these as the future of AR computing. Quote, definitely thinking about augmented reality and what we'd like to be able to do with it, there's possibilities down the road that we'd be leveraging with this kind of research, Facebook AI research scientist Kristen Grauman told The Verge. Such ambitions have huge privacy implications. Privacy experts are already worried about how Facebook's AR glasses allow wearers to covertly record members of the public. Such concerns will only be exacerbated if future versions of the hardware not only record footage but analyze and transcribe it, turning wearers into walking surveillance machines. The name of Facebook's research project is Ego4D, which refers to the analysis of first-person or egocentric video. It consists of two major components, an open data set of egocentric video and a series of benchmarks that Facebook thinks AI systems should be able to tackle in the future. The data set that the researchers have already collected is the biggest of its kind ever created, and Facebook partnered with 13 universities around the world to collect the data. In total, some 3,205 hours of footage were recorded by 855 participants living in nine different countries. The universities, rather than Facebook, were responsible for collecting the data. Participants, some of whom were paid, wore GoPro cameras and AR glasses to record video of unscripted activity. This ranges from construction work to banking to playing with pets and socializing with friends. All footage was de-identified by the universities, which included blurring the faces of bystanders and removing any personally identifiable information. Grauman says the data set is the, quote, first of its kind in both scale and diversity, end quote. The nearest comparable project, she says, contains 100 hours of first-person footage shot entirely in kitchens. We've opened up the eyes of these AI systems to more than just kitchens in the UK and Sicily, but to footage from Saudi Arabia, Tokyo, Los Angeles, and Colombia, end quote. The second component of Ego4D is a series of benchmarks or tasks that Facebook wants researchers around the world to try and solve using AI systems trained on its data set. The company describes these as episodic memory or what happened when, e.g., where did I leave my keys? Also, forecasting, what am I likely to do next, e.g., wait, you've already added salt to this recipe. Also, hand and object manipulation, what am I doing, e.g., teach me how to play the drums. Audiovisual diarization who said what when, e.g., what was the main topic during class. And social interaction, who is interacting with whom, i.e., help me better hear the person talking to me in this noisy restaurant. Right now, AI systems would find tackling any of these problems incredibly difficult, but creating datasets and benchmarks are tried and tested methods to spur development in the field of AI, end quote. Heads up if you're looking to put in an Instacart order this weekend. You might not be able to. Apparently, up to 70% of Instacart couriers in the U.S. and Canada could walk off the job this weekend, protesting and demanding changes to the platform, including at least a 10% default tip, new commissions, and pay-by-order. Quoting the Toronto Star, 
Daniel Furr, a Durham, Ontario entrepreneur who has worked for Instacart since last May, said these issues are important for the app's workers because he noticed his pay shrink dramatically throughout the COVID-19 pandemic despite his hours not changing. Instacart workers who are called shoppers receive a travel payment tips, and another sum based on fees paid by customers, he said. In May and June, I started noticing this downward trend, with my income dropping, and I couldn't really figure out why, Furrer said. He keeps meticulous spreadsheets to track his wages and noticed his earnings had been halved, but his hours were roughly the same. By the end of June and July, it became really apparent that Instacart was reducing one of the three elements that determine how we get paid, he said. He found Instacart paid him about $7 for a 42-item batch, a series of orders from multiple customers clumped together, that he filled in September at Real Canadian Superstore. The batch took about 75 minutes to complete. In May or prior, he said that same kind of order would have paid $15 or $20. It's disgusting, and the only thing that makes these batches worthwhile and able for a lot of people to make a living is the tips that customers provide, he said. Instacart maintains that it has not changed its pay structure since February 2019 and said it takes feedback from workers, including members of the Gig Workers Collective, very seriously, end quote. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 
We know TCL for their smart TVs, but did we know that they got into the smartphone business as well? I actually think I do remember learning that from CES or something. One of the CESs anyway. But anyway, The Verge says that TCL's latest budget phones, the 20S and the 20SE, are pretty interesting because they do so much at a real cheap price point. Quote, if the TCL 20S and 20SE phones were on the prices right, you would probably guess much higher prices than the retail ones. With the 20S retailing for $250 and the 20SE going for $190, these sub $300 4G phones are the real deal. They check all the boxes for what you'd want in a smartphone. They have big and bright screens, large 5,000 milliamp hour batteries, 128 gigabytes of internal storage, and good enough cameras. You even get a free clear silicone case inside each box. Unlike the fancier TCL 20S Pro, neither the 20S nor the 20SE has the latest and greatest processor, nor do they support 5G networking. Those aren't unsurprising omissions at this price point. But given TCL's history, it's no wonder the real stars of the TCL 20S and 20SE are the brilliant displays, though they each use different panels. Both phones look and feel more luxurious than they are because of their solid build quality as well as attention to the details users really actually care about. Long-lasting battery life, strong performance, ample storage, as well as ingenious design. Who says good things can't come in budget-friendly packages? The $190 20SE has a 6.82-inch display, which at 720 pixels wide is too low resolution for a screen this large. 720 by 1640 pixels and an aspect ratio of 20.5 to 9. I tried watching the 4K Dune trailer on YouTube and it looked too dim and fuzzy at 720p for me to enjoy the video. Nevertheless, this display offers vibrant colors even at 50% brightness. Whether or not you turn on the NXT Vision display optimization software, I did not see much difference either way. The higher priced 20S has a brighter yet slightly smaller 6.67-inch screen with a high-resolution FHD Plus LCD display than the 20SE, which this one has 1080 by 2400 pixels with a 20 by 9 aspect ratio. When I watched the same Dune trailer at 1080p on the 20S, I could actually see sharper lines and more details this time around. Both displays look bright enough outdoors that I can read text if I boost the screen up to 100% brightness. I also appreciate how unobtrusive the pinhole front camera is on the 20S compared to the 20SE's teardrop design, the latter of which actually cuts into the top of the display. I can't really think of a higher quality budget phone in the $250 range that can beat the TCL 20S. It's got all the hallmarks of a more expensive device, but with a more affordable price tag. Its vibrant 6.67-inch 1080p display doesn't look out of place next to other flagship phones, and it feels luxurious with that fingerprint-proofed layer of micron-sized prismatic crystals on its back cover. If you're looking for an unlocked phone that is compatible with Verizon and most 4G GSM networks like AT&T and T-Mobile, I don't think you can go wrong with this unlocked TCL 20S. If your budget is strictly sub $200 and won't be using Verizon as your carrier, then the TCL 20SE is also a smart choice, end quote. We've spoken before about this, but I can't believe how serious an issue cheating has become in gaming. I mean, I do believe it. I get how seriously people take these games, especially when you're playing online. And now the companies are having to take it seriously, too, in order to keep that golden goose of online play going. 
Activision has announced the Ricochet anti-cheating system for Call of Duty Warzone, which uses a PC kernel-level driver and machine learning to examine player behavior and root out cheats. Quoting The Verge, PC games are increasingly using kernel-level drivers to detect sophisticated cheating, but since they run at such a high level in Windows, there are always privacy concerns surrounding such an approach. The Ricochet anti-cheat system in Call of Duty will not always be on, according to Activision. That means the kernel-level driver only operates when you open up Call of Duty Warzone, and the driver will shut down when you exit. The driver itself will monitor processes interacting with Warzone to see if they're trying to inject code or manipulate the game and report the results back. Activision says it has tested the driver across a large range of PCs, and it will be required to play Call of Duty Warzone when the Pacific Map update launches later this year. The kernel-level driver will eventually arrive in Call of Duty Vanguard at a later date. Call of Duty players will welcome this new anti-cheat effort, even if there will be inevitable questions and concerns over a kernel-level driver. It comes just a day after the main Call of Duty Twitter account issued a stern warning to cheaters. Cheaters aren't welcome, they said. There's no tolerance for cheaters, and soon you'll know what we mean, end quote. While Activision has been banning thousands of accounts, cheaters have still been ruining Call of Duty Warzone for months. Prominent Warzone players have become highly vocal about the problem, forcing Raven Software to communicate more frequently about the cheating issues and promise a full anti-cheat system in August. Call of Duty Warzone isn't the only PC game affected by cheaters, though. Cheating in some of the world's top PC games has been getting worse over the past year as aimbots and wall hacks are now common in the industry's most competitive shooters. Aimbots automatically lock onto opponents, making it easy to hit headshots, and wall hacks expose everyone on a map so cheaters get a huge advantage by knowing where their opponents are at all times." End quote. Finally today, just a note that GitLab is going public, raising $801 million after pricing its IPO at $77 per share, which is above its $66 to $69 a share range, thereby giving the company a market valuation of around $11 billion. The usual suspects were investors in the company over time, GV, Iconic, Coastal Ventures, but also Joe Montana, quoting CNBC. Joe Montana won his first Super Bowl as an NFL quarterback in 1982. Almost four decades later, he's about to get his first IPO as a venture capitalist. Montana, who led the San Francisco 49ers to four Super Bowl victories and was inducted into the National Football League Hall of Fame in 2000, has spent the past six years investing in startups through his firm, Liquid2 Ventures. He started with a $28 million fund and is now closing his third fund that's almost three times bigger. One of Liquid2's first investments was announced in July 2015 when a code repository called GitLab raised a $1.5 million seed round after going through the Y Combinator incubator program. GitLab's valuation at the time was around $12 million, and other participants in the financing round included Coastal Ventures and Ashton Kutcher. On Thursday, GitLab is set to debut on the NASDAQ with a market cap of almost $10 billion based on a $69 share price at the high end of its range. Montana's initial $100,000 investment, along with some follow-on funding, is worth about $42 million at that price. We're all pretty pumped, Montana, 65, said in an interview this week while vacationing in Italy, quote, this is going to be a monster for us, end quote. Thanks to all of you who offered suggestions for my little iPhone video problem. 
I still haven't managed to resolve the issue yet. No, I'm not using a VPN. In fact, I first noticed the problem out in Prospect Park, outside without any access to Wi-Fi. No, the new Apple VPN thing isn't on, at least that I can determine. Yes, I've reset network settings. Yes, I've logged out of, say, the Netflix app and logged back in. Yes, I've deleted, say, the Netflix app and logged back in. My TCL Roku TV set is still logged into Netflix and all the other apps and it's on the same Wi-Fi and it all works just fine. It's definitely something that has happened to just my phone. My wife's iPhone still plays video perfectly fine. So I guess we're down to what? Doing a factory reset? Something that I was hoping to avoid if for no other reason than I just did that like a week ago when I got this new phone. I don't like that three hours where I'm without a phone while it re-downloads everything. Except also, if I do do that, but then reinstall based on my iCloud backup, could I just be back here at Square One having the exact same problem? Any advice before I pull the trigger on that? Welcome, and thanks again for trying, but we're still stuck without my ability to watch the final two Squid Game episodes on my phone. Talk to you tomorrow.